Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Hey, John Boy. I'm telling you straight, it's my way or the highway. So anybody wants to walk, do it now. Hey, everybody, we're all going to get late. And again, it's picked up. It's Darius Leonard. A pick six for the Maniac. Touchdown, I-N-D-Y. Yes, sir. Oh, the chicken. Double time. John, I have never been better to be on the air with you here in Indianapolis, a place where so many of my dreams have come true. The Ride with JMV on 93.5 and 107.5. The Let's get this thing started on a Wednesday. Thank you very much for joining us. Got a big show for you, too. You know, we'll dive into, again, yesterday, and I owe a lot of people calls from yesterday because we just simply did not have enough time to get everybody on. And if you remember when I told you at the end of the show, if you're hanging on and you want the uh, first right to jump on here, you certainly can. And uh, we'll do that. And we'll get to that and more of the Ballard stuff and any of this coaching. And I know that Bubba Ventrone's interviewed uh, within this team as the special teams coordinator. I know many have suggested that he should have been the interim head coach. Anyway, seriously, if you're Jim Mersey and you wanted you really wanted to throw Jeff Saturday in there and you weren't going to listen to what anybody said and you wanted to do that for the entirety of a season. There is no way that should have gone down the way that it did. And you should have hired somebody or put somebody in there from the, the current staff. But it's water under the bridge now. What are you going to do about that? But we'll talk about that coming up. See if any other breaking news happens during the show. Follow some things of interest, I'm sure, regarding Jim Harbaugh. It's interesting. Carolina lobbed him a call last week. Denver has interest. Does the interest lie here if there is any interest? And if there is any interest, are both sides keeping this thing on the relative down low? Which often does not occur. Do that coming up in just a bit, too. Bottom of the hour, Kristen Airy. I'm going to state this as I stated it last week before the Pacers went to Philadelphia and prior to us learning that Joel Embiid was not going to play. I love watching the Pacers play. I love hoop in general. love watching the Pacers play. I try not to get overly excited and it's not because, well, you're just an old, old, crusty man and you got to be f- crusty about something. I'm not trying to be crusty about it. I just know from experience that when I get fired up about something, that normally that something doesn't turn out the way that you want or that something disappoints. And I don't want this something disappointing. Because we want to, we want to see this team go to New York, 
and you have this conversation going on about what Wally Zerbiak said about Halliburton, and we can revisit that, and I'm sure that both Kristen Airy and Quinn and JJ and everybody for at least a moment will revisit that coming up on the Bally Sports Pacer pregame later on tonight. I thought more than anything else, it was incredibly silly and really stupid, and here's why. It was silly because it was just a silly thing to say. It sounded like a dude that hasn't watched somebody play. And it was really stupid because it sounded like a smart guy that either had been told or felt compelled that he had to be the shake your fist and hot take it, stir it up guy. And that just wasn't and is not and won't be his MO. That's not going to be him. It just was awkward. It's what? Wait a minute. Where did this come from? I mean, normally you would get that with somebody that already had a reputation and maybe a bit of a, how should I put this, a holic reputation, which obviously Tyrese Halliburton has zero. Tyrese Halliburton did not politic at all, not a peep, regarding the NBA All-Star team. He has just kept quiet, kept focused, and been the epicenter of this team and their winning exploits so far this season. So it made zero sense. So really, you know, outside of that, it is really, as I mentioned earlier, all very silly. But here's what you did witness. And here's what we talk about all the time. It's these guys at this level. You just don't all of a, all of a sudden show up at a professional level of anything and struggle with being non-competitive. So these guys are constantly, and we're talking about the best of the best especially in the NBA, the most talented, the most athletic of the most talented and the most athletic. It is amazing. You ever get a chance to go to a Pacer game and you sit low? If you go all the time, you know this. If you sit low, you know this. Watching these guys move so athletically and effortlessly is ridiculous. At that height and that weight, It's ridiculous. So this is the best of the best, and sometimes even the best of the best needs a little bit of a helper, needs a little bit of a motivation. And when I talk to young guys all the time on this show, and I've done this forever, there is normally going to be a question regarding a motivational chip. And in fact, I've talked to Tyrese Halliburton before, and part of his was not getting that love, for example, from Wisconsin was battling with those in his own state, battling to make a name for himself. So it was clear, even at that point, he had that motivational chip. And what that delivered, if you go back to the last time these two teams met, being the Knicks and the Pacers, is that delivered for Tyrese Halliburton thereafter a great deal of motivation. You saw that Boston game? You saw that Miami game, career high. That really picked him up. And oftentimes, in just an incredibly long, and I mean a marathon of an NBA season, you're going to need bits and pieces like that. So here's what I would do. We laughed at it because it was funny. We made fun of it because it was stupid. But you probably should embrace it more than anything else because it has been helpful. 
It has been very helpful. And not only that, but it's been helpful in terms of those that you know are voting on, those that have interest in the NBA All-Star game. It's kind of opened a lot of eyes to, ooh, wait a minute. So why did this guy say that? Why did this New York guy say that? And then opened your eyes a little bit to the play of Tyrese Halliburton. And the reason why I bring this up is because obviously you have the Pacers and the Knicks coming up later on tonight at Madison Square Garden. At tip time is at 7. Pre-game show is right here at 6.30. But there is also now a podcast with Adrian Wojnarowski where he brings up a couple of different things. It's a long-form podcast, but a couple of different things, including that motivation of that Zerbiak moment. It's not like Halliburton has said much about it, and he hadn't talked to Wally Zerbiak. Wally Zerbiak went on TV on whatever that is. Is that uh, MSG Network or whatever it is? Yes Network? I'm sorry. I don't think the MSG Network exists any longer. Yes? I believe that covers the Knicks. You know, at any rate, he felt compelled to apologize. And again, it was just, it was an awkward moment for a dude that is not used to being that guy. Living in a world now, especially in modern day media, where you have every other guy is a clown acting like that. Like the ones who try to keep it between the lines and aren't shaking their fist and yelling and screaming and stomping and throwing a fit, i.e. grifting, grifting you. You know, that's the exception to the rule. Those that don't do that now, everybody's doing this. Everybody's got an opinion on absolutely everything. I mean, it's stupid. It really is. But that's just where we are. And Zerbiak got caught up in that. Got caught up in trying to be something that he isn't. But I cannot wait to see the response. And again, as I measured this out last week against Philly, I don't want to get too excited for a January regular season game because oftentimes you do, I can't wait to watch this. The end result is not great. But believe me, this team has so rarely disappointed so far this year. It's tough to hide it. And it's tough not to feel that way. And you have now discovered this, even the most hardcore of the blow it up, of the reboot, of the tank, even of the most hardcore knobs that still want to see this team do that for whatever reason. Ah, If you're a Pacer fan or in general a fan of good hoops, fun basketball, you have also been a little bit taken by this. Now, now this is something where you find yourself looking ahead and going, all right, well, wait a minute. Where am I going to be coming up on Friday and Saturday? Uh, where am I going to be on Saturday when John Morant comes to town? Where are we going to be? You know, now you're starting to set your schedule for it. It's like folks in the past, and you know exactly who I'm talking about. I know some of you still do. It's not like that Mike Woodson and company are giving you a great deal of motivation to want to, to set your schedule and your calendar to whenever they play. And by the way, they play coming up later on tonight at Penn State. It's becoming increasingly difficult for you to do that or be motivated to do that. But you know what I'm talking about. 
Didn't do it a year ago. Probably didn't do it a year before that. When's the last time that you saw, oh, wait a minute, I want to look ahead and you know, make sure that I'm around to be able to watch this. And I know things are different. I mean, hell, half of you are probably watching it on your phone wherever you are at that moment. But the Pacers have become interesting to watch, fun to watch. The Pacers have become an organization with that in mind, very young, that is winning games and surprising. And really, among the bigger surprises in the NBA, I was trying to think about that the other day. Among the bigger surprises in the NBA, you would have to suggest, right, both West and East, that those that were involved in that trade deadline deal a year ago would be at the top of the list as we talk about the Pacers and the Sacramento Kings. Probably both would be at the top of that list. Now, the Kings did some other things, too, to motivate. They get Kevin Herter out of Atlanta, bring him to Sacramento. And a good scoring group there with Fox. Obviously, you add Sabonis to that mix as well. You have to draft Keegan Murray, the rookie out of Iowa. I think Malik Monk is up there playing pretty well off the bench for Sacramento. But honestly, the two biggest surprises, arguably, to this point in the NBA would be these two teams that were directly involved in that trade deadline deal of a year ago. But this thing has, it has evolved into something now to where all of a sudden you're going to look ahead at the calendar and go, okay, where am I going to be for that Grizzlies game? Where am I going to be on Friday night when they they get the Hawks here in town again? Now, that's a Trey Young night right there, John Morant. As we've mentioned before. So that's what the Pacers are doing right now. And it would seem that for a lot of you that tonight would be one of those nights. Madison Square Garden, tough matchups across the board. Don't get me wrong. Uh, Jalen Brunson, Jalen Brunson can score in buckets. That free agent acquisition out of Dallas. And I'm assuming that's why Zerbiak got into that whole stupid conversation in the first place is because he was kind of propping up his guy um, and then trying to downplay the deservability, if you will, of Halliburton. And then you get all mixed up in a world that you're not normally a part of. And you come out looking like a horse's ass to the rest of the world. And then you've got to apologize for it. And it's really stupid. But beyond the game. Just the motivation for a single player and where they can get that is always stunning to find out. And in this case with Halliburton, and we'll play some clips back from that Wojnarowski podcast in case you haven't heard. Some interesting stuff from Tyrese Halliburton. And Tyrese Halliburton and the Pacers get the Knicks coming up later on tonight. Again, that is at 7 o'clock. 6.30, your coverage begins, and Kristen Neri of Bally Sports Indiana will be a part of that call television-wise. He joins us coming up at the bottom of the hour. Kevin Bowen. Kevin Bowen on the morning show. Kevin and Query normally goes at 5 o'clock on a Wednesday, moving up to 4 o'clock on this particular Wednesday. Uh, we're going to talk about yesterday with Chris Ballard. I'll share my thoughts. I got a couple of absolutes here. I developed a couple of absolutes. If it is going to be a, now a foregone conclusion, you're going to move forward, and it's going to be well past just this year. But if it's a foregone conclusion, you're moving forward with Chris Ballard as the general manager, then you're you're going to have to do some things. And we talked yesterday how Chris Ballard 
is he going to be capable of doing some different things, not following that blueprint, that plan that has, in terms of a title track of a Talking head song, has led them on a road to nowhere. Unless you're talking about that somewhere being losing. Because that's exactly where they've been. And again, this big plan, this grand scheme, these best laid plans have failed, as Ballard put it yesterday, miserably. Is he going to be able to, and I I hesitate to call it this because it's really not outside the box thinking. It is thinking that the rest of the NFL does. Chris Ballard has done the outside the box thinking, and that's what has failed miserably. You're going to build it here. I believe in my heart that this is where you build on both sides of the football. Well, that's great. But six years later, later, these guys that you have that you have made decisions on and put in those positions to become the foundations of this team, many of which have failed you miserably, and certainly the results in a results-driven league have failed you miserably. So can he be different? Can he do things differently? Can he get away from what? has been his staple in the nuts and the bolts of building a team. I'm very skeptical about it, but again, I'm coming at you from an angle where I'm just I'm skeptical about the whole thing. As I mentioned, we got six years, and we've seen what's taken place in six years. Uh, you're getting not a soft reboot whatsoever right now, considering the circumstances. New coach, new quarterback. If you're doing this thing right, if you're not doing it right, then who knows what the hell it might be. But if you're doing it right, you're going to have those. And I'm thinking, right, I just reboot coach, general manager, same clock, move forward. But clearly that is not going to happen. So you're asking me right now, so what are these absolutes you believe? These absolutes are, one, as we talked a little bit about yesterday, you have to give yourself the best chance. And I know that I'm going to simplify it here, and I absolutely know that it's not that simple. But I'm just telling you what I believe that they have to do. You have to find a path to get number one overall. You have to find a path to understand what you want and be able to go out and get it. That is what you have to do. I don't know if they're going to have enough to do it. Again, because there are going to be other teams that want to do the same thing. But you hear all the time about how far this organization will go and if that means trading active players if that means looking forward and trading picks you have to find what you want now granted maybe what they want is further down and then you even more so have me as a non-believer but simply put you have to have every option available and you have to create that now So in terms of the NFL draft coming up in the spring, that's to me what you have to do. And you're going to have to be better than everybody else. Everybody else that probably has more sufficient assets to deal with moving forward probably can offer something better or, you know, maybe at least pick-wise offer something better. 
I don't know, maybe try to woo Matt Eberflus and company over with some of the guys that he used to coach up down here. Really doesn't matter because we found out what really matters. Yeah, yeah, no, building on either side of the football, that's fantastic. Having Chris Ballard get here and say it can't be about one guy. Holy hell, we have found out what. It is so about one guy, it's crazy. The ultimate team sport, which is football, is so in the NFL most of the time about one guy. That is the reason why these guys get paid like crazy. That one guy gets uh, paid like crazy. That one guy gets protected, unless you're a guy that's not very good, being that one guy. That one guy gets protected like crazy. They constantly create new rules to help create that one guy. So that's what you need, and you need to give yourself the best path to do just that, to have all these decisions at your fingertips. And I really don't want to hear anything else. Do you? Do you want to hear anything else? Because I don't. I will equate that to if this whole Ballard decision did come down in any shape or form to finances. I don't want to hear that at all. I know, not my money, but I don't want to hear it. I don't think you want to hear it because we consistently hear way too much about how money is no object. We consistently hear about this is what matters and I am going to make this great for you, for the fans, for Indy. And that's well beyond the whole all chips in quote. I don't want to hear anything about that. I don't want to see you get beat constantly over the course of a season and then take a beating in the offseason, too. I can't. I mean, that would enough would be enough. And again, I'm incredibly skeptical about it, but enough would be enough at that point. So give them an offer that will blow them away with whatever Ryan Pohl said of the Bears yesterday, day before, whatever. Yeah, find something that will, quote, blow them away. And the other is, and there are some out there that are absolutely against it. And that's cool. That's all right. But it makes you wonder, doesn't anybody else out there wondering why? Wondering why you haven't heard anything regarding Jim Harbaugh and the Colts? Is it because he has zero interest here? Wants nothing to do with an owner meddling? Wants nothing to do with a six-year now general manager that has failed in what he has put together? And you don't want to have to mess with that? Does it have anything to do with wanting to start new with a quarterback or the roster that you look at right now that may not look up to what you hope it might be. Now listen, there are plenty of reasons right there in the negative as to why we could be critical of this and understand why Jim Harbaugh would not want to be a part of this. Or is it something different? Is it just kind of on the down low? Is it quiet? Are they keeping a great secret? Or as we said in Southern Indiana, a great big secret? Normally, in these cases, these secrets cannot be kept. But you haven't heard anything. You've heard a Zoom meeting with Denver. And, of course, the new Denver ownership with Walmart money. They're throwing money around. 
throwing money around and uh, making it rain in Denver right now to try to reel in their next head coach to inspire a fan base that, much like the Colts fan base, much like you, uh, lacked inspiration a year ago. But, I mean, you got the albatross of the Russell Wilson contract hanging around their neck. Then you've got Carolina reaching out to him. So, where's the interest here? Why haven't we heard anything? And I'm sorry, yesterday I brought up the Tom Palacero report. We actually played it from the Dan Patrick show, where Dan Patrick asked him yesterday, Tom Palacero of the NFL Network, has Jim Harbaugh received any interest from the Colts? Because I think everybody out there knows, right, that this would be a great fit, a great connection, at least on the surface. And he suggested that, that Jim Harbaugh likes Jeff Saturday and he was waiting around. I, I don't believe that at all. Do you? So what do you believe? It is just a hugely, incredibly great kept secret so far, or there is just zero interest on the Harbaugh side to investigate anything here. Because make no mistake, the Colts better have already been out to this. You talk about a mammoth cut in the batting cage. Any baseball players out there back in the day? Take some mammoth cuts. You better do that. That's where it starts. Like, great, all these names. And, you know, are you talking about Ben Johnson or are you talking about you know, Aaron Glenn or Raheem Morris? And I'm sure these guys, and who knows, these guys may all be great coaches one of these days, but right now, does that float anybody's boat? Not really. Not really. So which side is it here? We'll revisit that coming up in a bit, too. Kevin Bowen coming up in the 4 o'clock hour. Paul Cassaro, they are in the top 25 for the first time in a while. You, Indy, we talked to Coach Cassaro a couple of different times about that squad and how well that they've been playing. And Paul's going to join us coming up at the bottom of the 4 o'clock hour. they got some important home dates coming up on Indy Southside. I want to spread the love for hoop in which I love and the high level of hoop that is being played on the south side off of Hannah. And that's UND head coach Paul Cassaro coming up at 4.30. I'm out to, I don't know if he's gotten back with me yet. Um, I don't think so. I'm out to, I'm trying to get Brian Evans on here because I want to talk up IU and Penn State from a former player standpoint about what they have witnessed over the course of the last month. And I'm assuming that's not good. But you talk about an important game. If this IU team goes out there tonight at Penn State and looks like a big pile of crap <laughs> this is a big one i know it's penn state and i know that they just got through you know losing at home to northwestern but that whole thing with mike woodson has been losing a great deal of steam talk about something that you're going to have to rebuild and frame up once again for all you fans to believe it it didn't take very long did it is this true? Can you look those numbers up? Is this IU team through this point in Big Ten play with Mike Woodson the same as they were with Archie? Is that true? Somebody told me that. I didn't look it up. I hate to bring that era up too, but yeah, that's not going well for IU right now either. Big one in Penn State, 6 o'clock. Is that coverage time or is that tip time, 6 o'clock at Penn State? Do you know downstairs at WIBC? If that's a tip time, that means that 5 o'clock, I don't want you to bail, so don't worry about it. 
We'll make sure we get you there for the game call with our good friend Don Fisher in time. Six o'clock downstairs on WIBC. All right, I owe a bunch of people some calls. We'll get to that coming up in just a little bit, too. Inside the lounge via YouTube Live, I'm looking for the camera, and I swear it's right there on my face. Shout out to Indiana State, my Sycamores, win streak, Southern Illinois at the home and center later on tonight. A win streak at Ball State came to an end, but still a shout out on a fantastic season to date for first-year head coach Michael Lewis. Get to that. Butler last night. Butler fans are going, yeah, don't even bring that up. That thing looks like an absolute mess. They they have some mind-numbing turnovers. They have some pickup game turnovers, which you don't want to have in the Big East in January. You don't want pickup game turnover. They had some bad. Actually, if you watch the stretch of that game in the second half, both St. John's and Butler had some really bad pickup game turnovers. You don't want that. Get to that coming up a little bit later on as well. All right, 239-1070. Email address jmv and 1075thefan.com. You got us on HD Radio, the stream, the app, inside the lounge via YouTube Live. I'm going to check in with folks coming up in a minute. 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20-milligram injection, you can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. The Ride with JMV. Can I buy you guys a drink? Guess not. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Yeah, welcome back to the show tomorrow. Pearl Street. Olio Road. We are going to be up in Fishers tomorrow. Larceny Bourbon Locks, Luna Azul Tequila Shots. That is coming up tomorrow. Again, three until six. And our betting analyst, Brent Holverson, I'd love to see you up there. Our Super Wild Card Weekend, Larceny Bourbon Locks and Luna Azul Tequila Shots. Sevens writes this, the Wolverine job is much better than the Colts. It depends on how you look at it, man. What if you're sick and tired of blanking around with NIL and the transfer portal? And you've gone and been a part of that Final Four, those semifinal games the past couple of years. Then you look what's going on in the SEC still. I mean, I don't know if you can honestly say that. I know around here you've also got a blanking around factor too. Don't get me wrong. But you got some stuff that may be within your control, Sevens, here. And it better be in, within your control. You got that here. I, in college football, college athletics, you may have to ask around. We'll get back to that point in a second. On the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline, staked out at NYC. Got a little garden party later on tonight with the Pacers and the Knicks. Valley Sports Indiana comes at you with the pregame coverage at 6.30. 7P is that tip time. The voice of the Pacers is Chris Denary. A little more geeked up for this than usual. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's the start of the second half of the year. Uh, Pacers have been one of the surprise teams in the NBA. Uh, I've I've caught up today, I think, in all of my NBA podcasts. And I I heard you talking about the Woach podcast with Tyrese, and I listened to that. So, yeah, I think it's going to be exciting. I mean, the Garden is always a special place. I know when I went there for the first time, you know, to do a Pacers game, I had done WNBA games there. 
Um, you know, it's a special place and uh, should be a good one tonight. You've got uh, a Knicks team that got beat the other night. They had won five straight, I think. And the Pacers have played, you know, r- their best basketball of the year maybe since the Knicks lost a month ago. They're eight and two. Uh, really have found a way to uh, win clutch games. They're seven and one in the last eight. So yeah, they're, they're, this should be a, a real special environment and and uh, for the Pacers tonight. That environment and motivation since that last Knicks matchup, Chris, with you in a second. But I asked this question a little bit earlier. And out west, you probably look at Sacramento. In the east, is it the Pacers? Are these two teams involved in that trade deadline deal a year ago the most surprising in the NBA as we've reached that halfway part? Yeah, I think so. I mean, and and it's benefited both teams. I mean, you know, I was listening to again to Tyrese with Woj, and I and we've all talked to Tyrese about it just what he's meant to this franchise. And it was tough for him. It's tough for anybody to be dealt. But for Sacramento, they felt they needed a big. And the Pacers got their point guard of, of now and the future. And I think it has unlocked Miles Turner. I mean, he's, he's had the best year of his career. Uh, you know, Halliburton has set him up. One of the things I was looking at, John, in a note that I made, is the amount of paint touches that Miles has had this year and his ability to score in the paint is as high as it's ever been in the NBA. And you can attribute that to the presence of Tyrese Halliburton. So clearly the trade has benefited both teams. Clearly it's benefited the Pacers in the East. And Sacramento is trying to make its first playoff appearance in, I think, 16 years. So, yeah, those are two teams that uh, I think probably more was expected of Sacramento uh, than it was of Indiana. I think we all know that. I think the Vegas number was 22.5 or 23, and the Pacers have already won 23 in the first 41 games. So I think you'd have to say that the biggest surprise in the league at this point has been Indiana. And uh, Chris Denary, Valley Sports Indiana, voice of the Pacers on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Speaking of miles in this matchup, I believe that the last time out was the last time that 33 did not have a game that now has become um, – uh, become expected, I guess, from a lot of people's standpoints for him this season, right? Yeah, I mean, he's had a number of uh, stretches. I mean, he's on what, uh, just looking at it right here, uh, he's on an eight-game stretch where he's averaging 20 points and eight rebounds. And you're right, you go back uh, to that Knicks game, he had just six points and eight rebounds. And that was a game that the Pacers had a six-point lead in the final two minutes and couldn't hold on. And since, uh, they are 7-1 and one in situations like that. So, uh, clearly, Miles has been a big part of that. He was huge the other night in the comeback in the fourth quarter against Charlotte. He had 12 of his 29, had the huge block shot on Plumlee. Uh, so, yeah, Miles, uh, like a lot of the players in this 8-2 and two record uh, in the last 10, has, has been a little bit different than they were uh, back in December when they played the Knicks. Yeah, Brunson had 30 in that game, too. He was like head bob. I think you only went to the free throw line five times. My man, head bobs and jerks and twitches <laughs> trying to get foul calls. He like went to the Jimmy Butler, I think, school for trying to get NBA foul calls. Well, they, got, they have guys, uh, John, that can just flat put up points. I mean, Julius Randle in the last 10s at 31. Brunson in the last five is at 31, and Emmanuel quickly is probably playing right now as well as he's played all year. So, yeah, I mean, Brunson was really good. Randall was really good back in Indianapolis, and there'll be a handful for the Pacers tonight. Yeah, I don't think uh, did, Barrett didn't play Monday night, I don't think, with the Knicks, did he? No, he did not. He's missed six 
X-ray with a, a lacerated finger. Now, he is listed as questionable, so we'll, we'll just have to see if he's available for the Knicks. And he has been a problem for the Pacers. I mean, you know, he's left-handed. I think he's got six straight 20-point games when he plays against Indiana. He's got good size. So that'll be something uh, we'll be following here in the next few hours. Non-COVID-related illness for Aaron Neesmith, who basically since that point in time has really started to pick it up as well. Any expectation? I'm assuming you, you get on the bus and then on the plane or off the plane on the bus and go to Madison Square Garden thinking that you may play because if you don't, you get left behind. Is that maybe a good way to look at it or what's the possibility he participates tonight? Well, the good news is, John, he was not on the back of the plane with us. When when <laughs> TJ when TJ McConnell had his non-COVID illness back yeah. when we were on that long road trip, right. he was in the very back of the plane uh, with us, with the staff members. And so the good news was yesterday when we flew to New York City, Aaron Neesmith was not among us. So that means he was up front uh, with his teammates. So uh, hopefully that's a good sign that there's a chance that he'll be available tonight. I love the fact that he's carved out a significant place on this team. Has he not at this point in the season? Well, let's go back to when the trade happened. I think everybody was enamored that you were getting a first-round pick, um, and that meant the Pacers coming into 2023 would have three first-round picks, their own, Cleveland's, and Boston. And you also had Daniel Tice, who's a, a veteran center. And, you know, I think a lot of people looked at Aaron Neesmith's numbers over the last two years. He averaged four points a game. I mean, this is a guy that has gotten an opportunity just like Jalen Smith did a year ago, and he's made the most of his opportunity. And he's given the pacer somebody alongside Andrew Nemhard in the starting lineup who's an outstanding defender. And so you now have Nemhard and Neesmith who, you know, can guard top-flight players. And so that's been very important. I think they have felt more comfortable with Jalen Smith coming off the bench, uh, backing up Miles Turner. And it's just created some different opportunities uh, for the Pacers rotationally as far as, uh, you know, Rick Carlisle is concerned. Uh, anything else going into tonight's game that uh... – you're interested in watching. I think we've we're so, especially me. I've so overdone the whole Zerbiak thing. I've I've been hesitant to drop that on you. But beyond that, uh, anything stand out to you as far as matchups of interest at the Garden tonight? Well, I think the one thing is as good as Indiana has been in coming back from deficits. I I think you you still need to get off to better starts. I mean. Uh, the other night at home against Charlotte, probably as bad a first quarter as they've played all year with 15 points. They were down 14 early in the second quarter, and yet they came back again and won the game. Um, and, and they've proven they can do that. They've, uh, they've got 11 uh, comeback wins, went down 10 or more. That's number one in the NBA. Uh, they've got 16 clutch wins. That's tied for first in the NBA. All those are very impressive numbers. But you'd like to see them get off to a better start and not have to rely on those solid fourth quarters and those comebacks to win games. So, you know, you, especially in a place like the Garden, uh, you know, that'll be sold out. Fans are always amped up. You don't want to give the Knicks any opportunity uh, to have a lot of momentum early in the game. So I, I think that'll be something to watch tonight 
is is how the Pacers start, especially on this uh, road game. And after tonight, the Hawks coming up on Friday. That's Trey Young and that squad again. We saw them there not too uh, recently in the past at the Pacer win. And then the one and only time with John Morant and uh, local product Desmond Bain and a very good Grizzlies team on Saturday night. Yeah, I mean they've got they've got Desmond Bain, they've got Laravia, they've got John Conchar, all players who have what Indiana ties. Uh, Conchar yep. uh, played at uh, Purdue Fort Wayne. Yep. Laravia, of course, you know former Sycamore played at Wake Forest, LC. So yeah, I mean, and and I would encourage fans if you haven't done so uh, for Saturday night in particular, you better work quick to get tickets because this is. This is a game that uh, I think is easily going to be a sellout. Um, you know, the atmosphere in the building has been just terrific, especially the last month. And uh, it'll be good to see the Pacers at home on uh, Friday and Saturday because then they've got a road trip next week uh, at Milwaukee, at Oklahoma City, and then a back-to-back at Denver and Phoenix. So uh, there's never any let-up in the schedule, John. You always have to be ready to go. Uh, this is, uh, you know, this is a – uh, interesting start to the second half of the season. So you have to be thrilled with what you've been able to accomplish. But as Rick Carlisle said, you can't rest on that. You've always got to be ready to go. And so uh, second half of the season starts tonight. Yeah, no doubt. You know, I love the story of LaRavia. Um, and Desmond Bain, who was on the show this summer as well, uh, half of Wayne County, I'm assuming, is going to be over here coming up on Saturday night to, to watch him play. And he has been fantastic. And you, you're watching the evolution of Jaron Jackson Jr., and, you know, it's, it's interesting. This team has been put together in, in a very unique way, I think. And it all kind of surrounds that level of play that, that John Morant brings to the table. He's really he, – he's one of those unique type of athletes that you see in the NBA right now, without question. Yeah, and I think that's why there's so much excitement in Indianapolis around Tyrese Halliburton. And again, he's a little bit different player than Ja Morant, but he is a dynamic point guard uh, who leads the team in scoring, but also leads the team in assists. And as you look across the NBA, I mean, I look at what the Pacers have done through the draft the last few years, uh, the trades that they've acquired with Neesmith, Jalen Smith, and Halliburton three years ago, all were lottery picks. And so you throw in Nemhard, you throw in Matherin, you throw in Isaiah Jackson and Chris Duarte, those are seven young players, and then you've got the veterans and Heald and Turner and McConnell and those guys. That's similar to what Memphis has done. They, they've built through the draft. Cleveland has built through the draft, and I think uh, that's, that's what Indiana has looked at, and you can see what they've done here early in the year. They're trying to be successful just like Memphis and Cleveland. Uh, you know, at some point you look at some of these teams um, – you know, Milwaukee's still very good, and they got maybe the best player on the planet in Giannis, but I was doing some early look at their roster. They're really, really old, and at some point, age will catch up with you. So I think the way the Pacers have done it, they've put themselves in prime position for right now, uh, also with the opportunity to, to continue this for, uh, you know, a, a good run into the future. Pacers, Knicks, later on tonight, that tip is at 7, Bally Sports, Indiana. 7.30. 7.30. Ah, see, yeah. that, so Eddie put that up there with the pregame, didn't he? God dang yeah. it. Seven, seven o'clock pregame, seven thirty. So it gives it gives people a, a good chance to enjoy their dinner. Uh, from a TV standpoint, we like that uh, seven thirty or eight. Yeah, uh, I like it. Up. I'm going to have to. 
tell Eddie to the tip time needs to be the tip time, and then we'll right. figure out what happens thirty minutes earlier in our head. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. threw a guy off. I just I don't have the smarts real good to be able to do that on the fly. So seven thirty <laughs> is the tip. Seven p is your pregame on Bally Sports Indiana, the voice of the Pacers. It is Chris Denary. Hey, enjoy that game later on tonight, and uh, we'll fire you back up here in the near future. Going to be a great weekend. All right. Thanks, John. Hey, Chris Denary, see, you got me all flustered now, Eddie. Chris Denary of Bally Sports, Indiana. Am I wrong about that? I got two things, and maybe I'm wrong about this, too, because you have at, Pacers, at Knicks. This is just me. I would put the tip up there, the tip time up don't laugh, the tip time up there. And then we'll double back and go 30 minutes prior to the pregame show, like right here on The Fan tonight. And I would put the home team second and not go Pacers at Knicks. I would just have us figure out in our head that the home team is always second. You know, I just try to make it easy. Pacers (laughs) at Knicks. That way you don't have to sit there and contemplate if I put Knicks vs. Pacers or whatever. But you understand the the problems that could be with the the 7 o'clock Pacers and Knicks. Because that's more for us. Right, that's more. I, I'm trying to tell the people what time it tips. Yeah, so, I yeah. suppose I can get that, but you know, I, now, I could also look starts, and figure yeah. it out myself. So yeah, I always put up there too what time coverage starts to make it easier on you. Job well done. So <laughs> uh, Eddie Garrison, who just completely screwed up the end of that interview right there in studio with us. So yeah, so IU Penn State that is a six o'clock pregame downstairs. Seven p the tip from Penn State State College later on tonight downstairs on WIBC. All right, you know I mentioned this regarding Jim Harbaugh. Nothing has been said. Well, now scratch that. Something has been written. Not much. But it's interesting. We'll get to that coming up on the other side. And by the way, from Jeremy Fowler of ESPN as well. That on the other side, Kevin Bowen, top of the hour, 93.5107 by the fan. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta. And check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Wants to come here to coach the Colts. Dive into that now with Kevin Bowen, the morning show. Kevin and Query, 7 until 10 a.m. here on The Fan. That may give me the ultimate sports arousal, or at least one that I've had significant in a long time, if that be true. You buy into any of it. So I had not heard that. Is there... So you said nothing like a Yeah, there's there's not a great deal of context around it. So I, I hesitate to bring it up, I guess, just because it's a conversational piece for us both right here. But there's not a lot. Here, um, here it is again. Um, one official from a team searching for a head coach believes Harbaugh wants the Colts job. No word yet on whether Harbaugh plans to speak with Indy Brass, unless this thing is just, like, wrong. But this is what this says here. But the connection is obvious, and obviously they go back to, uh, you know, him being the quarterback here. But that was, that went through, that went through. I guess, an article from ESPN and Jeremy Fowler had a bullet point possibly connecting Jim Harbaugh to the Colts. That is what it is. 
And that was from, I'll give credit, Landon Oliver, who is from the uh, at the Blue Stable. You know what that is? And I'm not trying to be a yeah. jerk about it. I, I don't know what that is. Um, and a shout out to Landon because I'm sure it's great. I just, I don't get out very much. I think everybody else knows that. So uh, yeah. at the blue underscore stable, who's had that. So all credit to Landon Oliver who unearthed that, that tidbit. Yeah. You're just trying to spell things correctly in the YouTube channel. Oh, man, so. it's, it's not working out either. I'm, I'm cut. I real I go back and I go, man, I didn't even mean to cuss here and I'm cussing and everything else. Yeah, things can be interpreted in a lot of different ways. My usually, keys are too close together. I got big usually, thumbs. You and I, usually when you and I are texting, it's just like, hey, 903 Sunday. <laughs> I mean, usually just says like 903 Sunday. 903. 903 is what I say. For my bullseye event um, interviews with you. Yeah, the whole hardball thing, John, has been really weird to me. Yes. Um, you know, I, I think you could read a lot of it to be agent-driven, um, obviously the press release was super odd. And if I were a Michigan fan would have clarified nothing. And honestly probably made me feel a little bit more skeptical about him staying there uh, really for the 2023 season and beyond. I mean, if you look at his contract in college, it is wild. He does not make more money considering how much these college coaches make. I mean, hell Mel Tucker at Michigan state's making more than him. And- well, I think he had to give some back here a year or so ago, right? Didn't he have to give some back? Did he? Why? I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I'm just maybe making stuff up at this point to try to get him here. Maybe that's it. Yeah, and, and I, mean, I thought I he had to give. Was... I thought he had to give a little bit of salary up, and he had to spread it around for for assistant coaches. I don't. Did I dream that? Well, it, I, even if that's true, like I mean, again, that's kind of a Michigan issue. I mean, if you're going to have Jim Harbaugh be your head coach, you better be paying him top dollar, paying his assistant you know, top dollar as well. And it's Michigan. I mean, we're not talking about you know, some little plucky Cinderella story that has struck gold for a couple of seasons. It's a program that stadium speaks for itself. Um, you know, I, Denver and their pursuit of him, you know, from a financial sense, obviously it, it is massive with the Walton family. And you have connections within that organization. John Elway, from a Stanford standpoint, that would be one of them. Um Condoleezza Rice is in their ownership group. That's a Stanford connection as well. Uh, you know, I thought when Arizona came open, you know, I, and I saw that they kind of entered the Sean Payton sweepstakes. I mean, they are the only opening. Correct me if I'm wrong. They're the only opening that also has the GM open. Yes. So yeah. if you're Sean Payton or Jim Harbaugh and you want personnel control and you have any sort of Kyler Murray infatuation, you know, maybe that would be a path that you would explore the biggest question I've always had here is if he's here, what does that mean for Chris Ballard? Well, if that's if if, if that is any any bit of a speed bump and or a roadblock, I may implode right here on the air. Yeah, which is totally understandable. Well, please don't do that. No, I'm trying. I will try not to, but I may. I may implode yeah, right here on the air. Trying to find permanent for noon to three. We don't need to try and find three to six as well. Um, so I, I guess I've just been confused by Harbaugh, and and it probably is far for the course of who he is as a human. And <laughs> I think he's kind of a difficult one to crack. Um, and right now, you can interview him. You know, this is the time where all the candidates that have been mentioned for the Colts so far, I think there's six in total, they all can interview this week because either none of them are involved in the playoffs or Shane Steichen's the Eagles OC, and, and they have a bye. And Harbaugh, of course, could interview at any time and has already interviewed 
with Denver. So um, it, it's just been an odd process. And that typically probably is the case with college coaches, but I feel like with Harbaugh, it's been even odder. I'd agree with you on this. It, I, I put it this way. Even before I saw that that tidbit from Jeremy Fowler, Kev, I, I thought, is it that he wants zero to do with it, doesn't want to come down here because the meddling of the owner, because there's still going to be a going into a seventh year sitting general manager that, according to the general manager yesterday, has failed um, because of where they are going into a new era with a quarterback here at some point, again, a young quarterback? Or is it just a, an incredibly well-kept secret that rarely happens in terms of anything NFL and certainly around here? Which side would you be on if I presented that question to you? I mean, it seems like the hardball camp is pretty open to leaking things right now. You know, the the Carolina side of it, and I'm paraphrasing here, and I wish I had the exact language on it, but basically Carolina said that Dave Tepper, their owner, finally met with Harbaugh because after convincing from the Harbaugh camp, something along those lines. And then the, did you see the Tom Palacero one yesterday about Harbaugh is waiting on Indianapolis because he doesn't want to step on Jeff Saturday's toes. That made zero sense to me. We actually played that <laughs> clip back, and he's a he's a good dude, but that made zero sense to me. Why would that be? Yeah, obviously they have no overlap here, you know, playing wise. No, I mean Saturday got here in what ninety nine, and I, you would know better than I, but I don't think there's a big Ring of Honor reunion each year of like oh let's all get together and play golf and there's not there's not (laughs) no i i I don't think there's anything along those lines so i don't know where the hardball jeff saturday connection would be um so yeah again i'm just really confused by it i mean chris ballard wants things to be a steel trap i mean he does not want things to get out but you've got agents and you've got other parties involved in this that have different agendas and it's why you see all these reports get out of coaching candidates that are being interviewed. And if, if Michigan or if Harbaugh's agent, which I assume he does, wants any sort of contractual impact for his client, he's going to leak that. And it already leaked in Denver. It already leaked in Carolina. So I would think if there would be or is contact with Indianapolis, we would hear about it. So Kevin Bowen, 107.5thefan.com with his work in Kevin's Corner and, of course, the morning show – Kevin and Query, 7 until 10 a.m. Monday through Friday here on The Fan. Uh, We haven't talked about this, and I'm not at all going to challenge anybody's sincerity because, frankly, I don't want anybody to challenge mine. I'm on the up and up, and, you know, if if somebody is coming out and being sincere, then until I hear otherwise, find out otherwise, I will say, okay, you're being sincere. But the fact that everybody is falling in love with the especially opener, of that presser yesterday where he says he failed. First of all, he he didn't just fail this year. It has been a complete failure for the better part of six years. It's been more than just this year. And while sincere and understandable, I would challenge anybody that was really taken by that and now thinks that this is the future and it's going to work, that he had nothing else that he could possibly say under those circumstances after this past year. Yeah, I was saying to Jake earlier today, John, it's simply he apologized for doing a bad job. Like, as he should, I would I would think. I mean, not like I'm the apology police here, but 
I mean, if I brought home a GPA in high school of 1.5, I think my parents would expect me to apologize, you know, take accountability for all those things. And honestly, maybe because Jeff Saturday took no accountability on Monday for going one and seven and having the historical losses, maybe Chris Ballard taking the accountability on Tuesday was such a stark contrast. That's why people are reacting to it in that way. So, so he really doesn't want him as the next head coach because he completely <laughs> he completely goes opposite. He kind of leaves him on that um, that island of non-ownership is what you're saying. Is that what you're trying to say? Well, I, I don't know if I'm going there. I asked him uh, directly. I was like, what does 1-7 mean for Saturday's yeah. candidacy or his evaluation? Mm-hmm. And, and he didn't want to go down that path either. Um, you know, Chris Ballard knows what he's doing behind a mic. Um, his emotions, oftentimes his body language, I, I would think, are some areas where, you know, he admittedly can't really control, and rightfully so. I remember how pissed he was during the Andrew Luck retirement press conference, and obviously we, we saw how he looked a couple months ago, you know, during the Frank Wright Jeff Saturday situation. Um, so yeah, humility, apology, fine. I'm not gonna like, you know, swoon him for that. Um, I mean, honestly, it, my early thoughts during that press conference, John, and was just like, I can't believe this dude is here about to embark on a seventh year as general manager. Like that, that was kind of my early thought through it of like, if you were to, you know, look at yes. an NFL resume and say no division titles in the easiest division in the NFL, one playoff win, no direction like upward like it's not like you have a young quarterback here in year six that has shown you something I mean you you just had your lowest point of a as a franchise and I would argue two and a half decades if not longer and so you know when you add all that up you think about his approach being a bit archaic in my opinion and then his approach being all right I, I should say his approach not working either like offensive line defensive line those two areas especially offensive line, I would say, have severely underperformed based on how much you've invested in that. Well, you add all that up, and, and it's just kind of wild to me that he is now going to get <laughs> no. a seventh year, yes. and in all likelihood, this is going to reach a full decade I'm, of him yeah, yes, being yes. a general manager. And when you look at your GM history and those resumes, that is the steal phrase from Jim Irsay, That's that's Ray Rayer. Um, has Ballard hit on a lot of draft picks? Without question. Do we have an example in our own market of a president GM that has changed their ways in Kevin Pritchard? Certainly. So maybe Ballard will fall that script, but it's just for NFL teams, it's rather unprecedented that he's still here. He just seems so stubborn in terms of what he believes, you know, that whole square peg and a round hole type of force into fit that I don't know if I buy he's going to change his his thoughts in, in the way he puts together a team. You? Yeah, I'm kind of in believe it. I'll believe it when I see it mode with him. Um, you would like to think that reaching kind of rock bottom would get him to, in his words, and it's a word that I've used to describe him before, and he, he used it yesterday, so credit to him. He called himself stubborn with with his approach. Um, I almost think like your hand is forced. You know, it'd be one thing, again, if his philosophy was working and if he had, you know, different areas of success he could point to and say, no, 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 see, there it was good, here it was good. Like the results are the results in a bottom line business and the results haven't been there. So, you know, when he did answer, and you can sift through a lot of the press conference and you can probably spin things one way or the other. 
But I did think when he was asked directly, kind of like lay out the mistakes. And the first mistake he said was probably the constant turnover at quarterback. You know, that sort of admittance, I think, makes me think, and who knows, maybe the owner will flat out just demand it. That makes me think that they will finally go in a different direction. The one thing about Jake earlier today that is puzzling to me, John, is, I mean, you look at where Chris came from. He, he came from Kansas City. And in that building, they made the playoffs the year before they drafted Patrick Mahomes. Alex Smith was a very fine quarterback. Andy Reid is thought of as one of the more brilliant offensive minds of modern football. And when you think about Andy Reid and that organization sitting down and saying, guys, we've reached a ceiling with our organization. Alex Smith can only take us so far. We need to do something different. And Ballard was a part of the early process with Patrick Mahomes. It's odd to me that we're all creatures of our environment, of our history, all those things. It's just odd to me that he comes from Kansas City. He's seen what's happened with Kansas City, and yet he's had a refusal to try and do what Kansas City did, and that is trade up, you know, 20-some spots to take Mahomes in 2017. And obviously, look at what's happened. Well, I, I, I think, to me, you give that Kansas City scenario out there, and I, I buy what you're saying, but if the, the Hunt family came down and said, hey – this uh, this quarterback's kind of a jackstick here, and you got to get rid of him and get somebody else. I, I don't know if Andy Reid or anybody else, whether you know John Dorsey or Pate or any of these any of these figureheads organizationally, would have much uh, of leverage to work this out because essentially, uh, the owner certainly has a great deal of accountability in that quarterback position and how this path has taken shape as well, no doubt. Yeah, and again, it's a little odd. To me, that Jim Mercer signed off on it in that, you know, you think about his time as general manager, and again, you would know this far better than I, but it was a lot of quarterback turnover. Uh, I mean, certainly an attempt with Jeff George, a big attempt, but he saw what happened with the revolving door, and then he saw what happened when, you know, they achieved quarterback continuity with Peyton and Andrew Luck. And I, and I fully acknowledge Peyton and Andrew Luck are on, you know, and is, obviously Peyton is on, you know, one far end of the spectrum. Um, so, yeah. To your point, John, I, I, I've been a little bit of a head scratch here in that, wow, Jim Irsay has agreed on this. Like I, Something Ballard said yesterday that I couldn't believe was just, you know, they thought Carson Wentz could have been a five, six, seven-year answer. It, and it's like, man, I know hindsight's twenty twenty, but didn't Philadelphia tell you everything you needed to know? I mean, Philadelphia's actions from, you know, drafting Jalen Hurts to – firing Doug Peterson. Again, they drafted Jalen Hurts before Carson Wentz led the league in interceptions in 2020, yet they knew the writing was on the wall and that they needed to have some insurance. And sure, Frank Reich certainly coaxed Jim Irsay and Chris Ballard into, you know, those two believing that he could resurrect them. But, uh, you know, that was a just a huge mistake. And again, hindsight is 2020, but looking back on it, uh, that is one that, took out a first-round pick for you last year and certainly has continued to restrict you. It's Kevin Bowen with us. We move forward here in the month of March. 33, going to still be playing and playing at a high level for this Pacer team when we hit the month of March. Boy, it's a great question. Um, you know, the report over the weekend of Mark Stein, you know, and Miles' camp, you know, whatever, saying no for now to the Pacers contract extension. I don't put a whole lot of stock into it. You know, I'm a big believer that deadline spur action and now we're less than a month away but that's still a long time for those two sides to potentially agree on something the the one i guess 
I guess two areas, John, that make me think, again, I'll believe it when I see it, that Miles signs an extension here, is he changed agencies recently, I believe in the last couple of months. I don't think you change agencies to re-sign with the team you've been with for eight years. Um, and then secondly, he's never been a free agent in the NBA. And I think that's enticing to him to see what's out there. So that's what makes me think he could and will hit the open market. I would say the biggest calling card of me not being as confident in that as I was a couple months ago is certainly how he's played at Tyrese Halliburton. And I know it's something you brought up a whole lot. And I don't know if you caught any of Halliburton on Adrian Wojnarowski's podcast earlier, but this dude is just wired such in the right way that, that, that this market needs, to be honest with you, um, for their point guard, for their leader. He just gets it. Um, I think Miles really enjoys playing with him on the floor and then off the floor. I think Tyrese is a rather low-maintenance individual, which I don't think has been the case for you know, recent stars here in in Indy. So uh, that is I keep on coming back to and, and talking with someone over the Pacers a few weeks back of be careful what you wish for. And, and, and if Miles acknowledges that, then you know maybe he will say, I've got a pretty good situation going here. I've hit my stride. I've hit my prime, however you want to call it. Let's let's ride this out a little bit further. But if he thinks this is my first chance, maybe my last chance to really cash in, change agencies, money talks, people that have very little ties to Indiana and know what Indiana means to Miles starts to be in his ear, then we could see him not sign an extension. And as I've said all along, if February 9th rolls around and it's a trade deadline and Miles Turner does not sign an extension, you have to trade him. And then your season goes right down the crapper. See you later. This magical season right. ends. And, and you know what, John? That's probably the most dis- one of the one of the few disappointing things about this season is I have zero confidence in any sort of backup five. Like I don't. If you're going to tell me, all right, somebody on this roster not named Miles Turner is going to be your starting center for 75 games next year, I, boy, I, I have zero confidence in any of them. I mean, honestly, I'd probably say, is Daniel Tice healthy? Like that's that's probably the route that I would go. And you know, I it's not like the exact comparison because Buddy Heald is such a unique weapon. But if you were to trade Buddy, you could come up with backcourt minutes to de- deviate out to other guys, divvy up to other guys in the backcourt. Again, none of them are anywhere near the type of consistent every night shooter that Buddy is. But there's at least young lottery pick talent you would want to see more out of. In the at center, like yeah, I'd like to see more of Isaiah Jackson. I guess I'd like to see a little bit more Jalen Smith, but I lack the confidence there of having a guy you can kind of pass the torch to that I would in the backcourt. Because how I kind of view the Pacers right now is, if you re-sign Miles, the one obvious clear need entering the offseason would be kind of that big wing defender, six eight, six nine, you know, the OG Ananobi type. And obviously, if you trade Miles, not only do you need the big wing defender, but you also need to go out and find some sort of five. Because, again, in my opinion, I don't think you've seen enough from the young guys on your roster to make you feel confident about the future there if it's not Miles. I feel really good about all this. I think I love all this. I've seen you bask in the glory a little bit on this. I am basking. There may be some basking going on here. You may see it. Now, I mean, who knows if he, like, last time out against the Knicks, he didn't have, I think that was his last bad game. Uh, wasn't a good game. So maybe if that happens tonight, maybe uh, for one night only, my basking will take a pause. But right now, I'm enjoying basking. No doubt. November 1st, 
2023. Better chance Miles Turner is with the Pacers or Jeff Saturday is with the Colts? Miles Turner is with the Pacers. Because I, I still I, I think I think that they're going to take a we just don't know it or people don't know it yet a huge swing at hardball here that we don't know. And two things actually from the Colts. These are have tos. If you're going to try to sell again another couple three years to close out a contract at the very least on Chris Ballard, then you got a couple of absolutes. You got to get your ass up to number one to make sure you can pick from absolutely anything you want at the quarterback position, and you have to have Jim Harbaugh here. Those are two absolutes. Hey, heavy deal. I know. I'm asking a lot, but yeah, you're going to go ahead and make everybody buy your general manager for a seventh year and beyond. You got a couple of absolutes on your plate right now. There they are. Yeah, I'm probably in the team get to one camp as well. I, yeah, you can't sit on your ass and think nope. they're going to fall to four. You can't. Whoever you think is and you can't be you can't be four. outworked by other teams that also want to get up there, which right. is also a frightening aspect. And again, that's the worry about Chicago being up there. I get that Chris Ballard has a lot of connections with Ryan Poles, their GM. They work together in Kansas City. Obviously, Matt Eberflus as well. But I mean, Chicago can just—if I'm Chicago, I wait till 7:45 the night of the draft. And who's going to give me the Ricky Williams package? I mean, who's going to give me everything to get up here and get that number one pick? Because yep. they have that ability with the fact that they have a guy that. They obviously feel good about with Justin Fields. Get get uh, Eberflus some guys off this defense this year. You know what I mean, and that's fine with me. That's that that right. is the price you pay to get what you believe to be your long term quarterback asset here. So utilize well, guys off your roster gonna, right now, especially if you're going to change defenses. You know, if you're going to yeah. make any change, guys on that side of the ball lose some value. I. I I do think, I mean, if I were Chicago, I don't know how I would feel about that. I, I'd probably want picks more than I want players, but maybe Eberflus has a little bit of say up there that he can dictate them. I think Eberflus may want to go ahead and like get the winning going here relatively soon, though, right, instead of waiting on picks to develop and crap? That'd probably be well served, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they didn't, yeah, they didn't, they didn't yeah, the, the competitive losses uh not going to last too long up there in Chicago. My friend, I appreciate you. Shout out to the fam. You and uh, Jake have a hell of a morning coming up on Thursday morning. So, uh, your dad, mom, everybody okay? We're good. We're good. They they would definitely say hey to you. So, my brother, uh, we need to get you back on in the mornings. You know, I love your brother. You know, once upon a time, your brother bought Blake a Gonzaga shirt. And it is still one my my daughter Lainey wears it all the time. It said, this is home on the back. And it has the state of Washington and Spokane. That's your brother. I think it was. Um, I think, it, and he'll probably he's probably listening, so he'll probably text me and, and correct me. But remember when you like walk into finish line and they would have just all those college T-shirts yep. on the table? I, I, I think that's where that's where he got it from. No, I, I bullcrapped my kids and said that uh, he went to Spokane and got it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, work trip to Spokane. Yeah, <laughs> he did that just for you. So yes, <laughs> yeah. all right, yeah, buddy. Exactly. I pre hey, IU better win tonight. Just like my Sycamores are going to win tonight, right? There you go. Man, that would be quite the warm seat back to Bloomington. Uh, NCAA tournament warm seat, I, I would say, for Mike Woodson. There's, if there's, that were to be a yeah, long and uh, the the former believers will be otherwise. And then you're going to start looking at the Archie Miller start, right, in the Big Ten compared to that uh, Mike Woodson start of the Big Ten. And you may not like what you see, I'm assuming. 
And, you know, I, I get it's road in the Big Ten, and you, and you look at these as kind of luxury games, but you've already lost one at home. Yes. To, on paper, an easy team. And if you look at the next, like, handful of games at home, I mean, you got some tough opponents. So, yeah, uh, tonight would be well served for Mike Woodson to win this one. Kevin Bowen, Jake Query, weekday morning, 7 until 10 a.m. here on The Fan. That is Kevin and Query. Appreciate you, brother. See you, John. Andy Moore, Automotive Group Hot. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20-milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta. And check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. The Ride with JMV. Fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life, son. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Too late, Dean Vernon Warmer. Kevin Bowen a little bit earlier. Chris Denary a little bit earlier. The Pacers-Knicks tonight, 7P pregame show right here. That's a tip at Madison Square Garden at 7.30. IU Penn State, 7 o'clock from State College, Pennsylvania. Pregame show downstairs on 93 WIBC with Tony Katz in the morning. Although it's Kevin and Quarry in the morning right here. Again, 93 WIBC, 6 o'clock with Don and the gang on the pregame show and a big one for IU coming up later on tonight on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Back to back to back, they go at home down on the south side off of Hannah Avenue in the inside the top 25 and red hot Paul Casaro-led UND Greyhounds. And the head coach of UND is on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. How much of this appreciation on this run and this fantastically enjoyable season so far would you lay on the shoulders directly of Michael Burris? A lot? Much? 100%. As you know, he is the brain trust of the organization. (laughs) He is. And you know what? With all those brains out of eastern green county we may not have a lot left down there right now so we're hoping we're hoping to add more toughness to you (laughs) i know he's always off his toughness to you for giving him buckets and all those open jumps did he ever tell you about um us playing pickup two on two on uh sunday mornings when it's like 95 degrees inside of the hyper do you ever tell with me and him and mark barnheiser of lafayette jeff and his brother Justin, you ever tell you those stories? Two, two on two full court, 95-degree gym, you know, five, six in the morning, and you guys would go for, you know, hour and a half, two hours. Yeah. yeah, I think I, would, I lost literally like 25 pounds, I think, just by doing that. Full court, two on two. <laughs> you know, we can't do that today. <laughs> you know, I'll be honest with you, though. I love, I have played, because of Mark Barnheiser's influence, I have played a great deal of full court two-on-two, and then even at the Baxter YMCA, full court one-on-one in the mornings where people would walk by working out and say, you guys are nuts. Say, yeah, yeah, we are. We're nuts. I love it. Yeah. Hey, talk about your team right now. Inside the top 25, that's awesome. And on a nice little run, what has worked so far and uh, the success? Is it what you expected to this point with this team? Yeah, well, I appreciate you having us on to, you know, showcase the kids. We got we got a really good group. 
and yeah, we were top 25 in both coaches and media poll. Um, not really trying to focus too much on that, just trying to focus on the next game, obviously. But we have a four game, um, four game home stretch coming up, and really just encourage you know Indianapolis fans to come out and watch. It starts tomorrow, then Saturday, Monday, then the following Saturday. Um, we got. The, the reason that we're, we're having such success is we have just a really unselfish group. We play 11 deep. They just care about winning. They play good defense. They share the ball on offense. Just a great group of guys that, you know, on Saturday afternoons, if you don't have anything better to do with, you know, young kids, these are the type of guys yep. you want your youngsters watching. Well, and there are so, so many notables here locally. Like, I was going to ask you how my guy B. Nickerson is doing for you guys right now. There's another Center Grove product, a, a local kid that obviously a lot of people already know a great deal about already. Yeah, Ben's doing great. You know, and he's one of the kind of those uh, those unsung heroes. Ben, you know, hasn't been the guy that, you know, is averaging 20 points a game, but we would not be 12-2 and two without Ben. You know, uh, I, I was talking uh, to people this morning about how uh, our road win against Jury over the past weekend. Ben comes off the bench, plays 10 minutes, it's kind of a tight game, but he drives middle late in the shot clock, driving kick three. We get an M1, so a full-point play. But that play by him to get the bucket busted it open, and we were like plus 12 or 13 in his short time on the court. So guys like Ben that, hey, are just bought in. And, you know, we've had 11 guys – score double figures at points this year so it's just it could be anybody's night any given night and guys really bought into that now leading your team scoring wise is another local notable in in jesse bingham playing at a high level this season too yeah jesse's uh jesse's a beast um i i, I i'd be lying if i didn't uh, say that i think he's the best player in our league and you know uh, one of the best players in the country um you know He's so versatile. You know, you can drive it, he can shoot it, he can post it, he can defend one through the four. You know, his assist numbers are up. Um, he's just a really well-rounded kid, but it's because he works so hard. And then he's uh, just like Ben and all of our guys. He's a quality young man as well. Yeah, and here's the other thing, too. If, you know, when you're obviously wanting to, to get people and come out of this four-game homestand to watch you, um, if you like offense, like we all do, because we only, we, if we say we love defense or like defense, we're really lying. We all love offense. <laughs> uh, so um, you guys put up some numbers on a game-to-game basis. Yeah, we're, we're really starting to, um, you know, uh, and we have been pretty solid defensively you know, from start to finish this year. Uh, but offensively over the last, you know, four to five games, we've really, really started to hit our stride. And, you know, the best way to describe it is, you know, like we like to say, and this is a Burris-ism, uh, we, 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 we share the sugar. You know, we, we, we definitely share the ball, and uh, we get the best shot possible every possession. And with that, when you're as deep as we are, you know, we're kind of a hard scout, I think, because we have multiple guys that can go for double figures. And I, I think our ball movement, our pace at which we play, and just having uh, the depth, we can come at you a lot of different ways. So Paul Casaro is the head coach of UND. As he mentioned, four straight games down on the south side off of Hannah on the University of Indianapolis campus beginning coming up tomorrow evening, 7.30. That is against Missouri S&T. A little bit about that squad. And then if you will, I know a big one on the 14th. You've got a top 15 team in your building, and that's a large one on January the 14th. A little bit about these two consecutive games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm glad you mentioned that tomorrow. Missouri SMC is a very, very good team. They average, talk about offense, they average 87 a game. They're leading the league in scoring. Uh, they're top 15 in the country in scoring. Uh, they have four guys that average 12 or more. 
So we're, we better be uh, on our best defensive efforts tomorrow. And, you know, they're foreign to a league, really, really good opponent. And telling our guys, like, we need to be focused on S&T. You know, like, we don't need to be focused on the top 25 matchup that Saturday. Now, that's all well and good, and we'll focus on that when we wake up Friday morning. But right now, all our efforts and uh, emphasis is on Missouri S&T. But when we do wake up Friday and stuff, that's, uh, you know, Umzel, uh, Missouri, Missouri St. Louis, that's the short version for, uh, for, for their school day. Uh, they're a really good team. You know, top 15, uh, top 25 matchup, and, you know, that'll be exciting, too. They actually are, are the team that – beat us in the GLVC championship game last year. So uh, we've had some good uh, good matchups with them, and I'm sure it'll be a good one again. Hey, Paul, are you getting out of this group what you expected to get out of them to this point? Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. You know, like I said, the big thing with this group is uh, I've asked them, like, hey, our mentality is we just got to keep getting better every single day, no matter what we're doing. Let's just get better. Keep getting better. Because I, I think we have a real talented group, and uh, their work ethic, their attitude – uh, couldn't ask for much more, and it, it's fun to see it all come together. Hey, uh, did you ever lie to Wants and tell him that you love playing defense? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I only <laughs> cared about offense in high school. There's no no doubt about it. And then when I got to college, I realized I wasn't that good at the college level. Uh, I actually had to play defense to get on the court. So, uh, so Wants is probably thinking, man, I wish you would have uh, – Wish you would have carried on the defensive end back at Ron Conley like you did when you were at UND. That's oh man, telling you, I, I I love it though. I mean, just a great place to go watch a game as well. And four straight inside the top twenty-five, and it begins coming up tomorrow night on Indy Southside with UND. Their head coach Paul Casaro is with us. I love talking to you up. You know how much I love basketball and really uh we reach folks also. We have a lot of like-minded folks that love basketball as well and you guys the product and the environment down there is just awesome, especially for the younger kids that are developing into those basketball fans. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah, I appreciate that. And that's what we're trying to build here is, you know, the kind of like the, the, the family atmosphere game on, on, on the south side for, on Saturdays. And, you know, we put on Thursday nights, too. I, and I think people really enjoy coming to watch the local flavor on our team. And, you know, funny thing is, uh, John, I, you know, I saw Brent Nickerson today. He said he saw, me, saw you the other day at the Center Grove game. And, you know, we think you ought to come out on a Friday and do your show from Nickerson Hall. Oh, yeah. That, that's heck of an idea. Yes, that's a hell of an idea right there. Now, I don't know. I spent one year down there. I, we may have to check and make sure I'm still allowed on campus. I'm not quite hey, sure. Lunch is, lunch is on me if you can do it. <laughs> that sounds like a plan right there, though. But seriously, I mean, it is, um, it is a great place to watch basketball. I mean, it really is. And uh, the brand that you guys are playing – um, especially with the uh, the local flavor around here too, I, I love I love how you recruit because that that becomes a specialty, does it not? At that level, to to make sure that you're covered each and every year with everything that's going on, and um, it, it's probably something that <laughs> takes a little bit of time and effort to find out exactly what your path should be. Absolutely, you know, I, you know, we we want to uh, build from the inside out. Now, not saying that we're not going to go out and get the guys from out of state or out of country if they fit what we need, but we're going to build our foundation in Indianapolis and then you know build out through Indiana. You know, we got a kid from Fort Wayne, Carroll, uh, David Eja on our team, transferred from St. Francis up in Fort Wayne. So that's still inside out, in my opinion. You know, and uh, Indianapolis, Indiana based, and then once we build that foundation, we'll be able to see okay whether it's positionally. 
whether it's skill set or whether it's class balance, okay, yeah. where are the holes we need to fill? And that's when we're going to go out of state, out of country to, to, to fill out the rest of the roster. And I think we've done a really good job bringing in the right mix. Well, no doubt about that. Paul Casar is the head coach of UIndy. Four straights on Indy Southside beginning tomorrow night at Nickerson Hall. That's versus Missouri S&T and number 11, Missouri St. Louis on the 14th. 16th, Maryville and McKendry in town on the 21st to wrap up four straight at home. A team inside the top 25 and certainly worth a substantial look. Paul Casaro and the gang at UND, the Greyhounds, and Paul's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Potline. Congratulations on where you are right now. Keep that thing humming, and let's check back into this Friday night on the south side type of deal. All right, sounds great, John. You have a great week. Hey, tell Burris I said hey. Will do, bud. It's uh, Paul Casaro on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Potline. Michael Burris is his assistant. Uh, Michael Burris used to be the head coach over for a long period of time and only central community college juco and he is from where i'm from owensburg and eastern green u indies head coach paul casaro andy moore automotive group potline five o'clock hours wide open i would love to hear from you we'll reset some of the stuff we're talking about including the pacers and the knicks and iu and penn state tonight that's and you and me other side next Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20-milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. The Ride with JMV. Well, you're going to have to say that. You're going to have to speak up because I can't hear you. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Paul Casaro, UND head coach. Kevin Bowen of the Morning Show. Kevin and Query. Chris Denary, Bally Sports Indiana voice of the Pacers. All a little bit earlier in the podcast. 107.5thefan.com is where you can find it. The Houston Texans requested permission to talk with Sean Payton. He cannot formally interview with any team until January the 17th. That's courtesy of NFL Network right there. Um, And it was ESPN's Jeremy Fowler who stated earlier he is hearing that the Colts' job is the one that Harbaugh wants. Uh, It was a small report that I talked about a little bit earlier with Kevin Bowen, but it's kind of interesting because you hadn't really heard anything whatsoever about it. But it was it was embedded. It was right there, and it, it does state from Jeremy Fowler that the one job in the NFL, and this is my word, not his, that he uh, covets, he being Jim Harbaugh, is this one. Uh, nothing around here, but that was something from Jeremy Fowler of ESPN. Maybe we should reach out to him and see if he can talk a little bit more extensively on that. Or see if he can tell us to get bent. One of the two. I'll take either one. I'll get bent or get some information. And by the way, Landon Oliver is the guy that sent that out a little bit earlier. Landon Oliver has... I think a podcast, three-man rush podcast, and at Blue underscore stable. Seems like a swell dude right there. Landon, thank you very much for that tidbit. That makes me feel good because you know who I want as the next head coach here. If you're going to continue on with your general manager, 
into a seventh year and beyond, then give me two things. Give me the head coach of Jim Harbaugh and then go out and get yourself, by whatever means necessary, the number one overall selection. And make sure that you can get the quarterback of your choice for the future. Don't screw around with it. Do it. It's funny. So friend of the show, Drew Storm, the former Major League Baseball player, once upon a time, uh, got his education courtesy of Stanford University. It just actually sent me a text, and he said, I interviewed Harbaugh for a sports journalism class back in college. I asked him to describe his coaching style, and he said, quote, the Shawshank Redemption. you got to crawl through the blank to get where you want to be. You have me, Harbaugh, at Shawshank Redemption, quote. And believe me, believe me, there is no NFL pipe that is more clogged, full of foulness like Shawshank Redemption than this one right here. Perfect. Thank you, Drew Storm. That is absolutely a perfect analogy right there. Because you would you would have to crawl through a lot here. <laughs> crawl through a lot. I'm for it. Absolutely for it. Seberg says, boom, search over, JMV. Back up the Brinks truck for Harbaugh. The Manning curse suggests give me Jim Harbaugh or give me death. <laughs> Mike McCann writes this. I'm with you on Harbaugh. It's a perfect fit, but if the Colts go another direction, I do want Ben Johnson. He's the offensive coordinator of the Lions. Colts fans should be pumped about pairing a young quarterback with an innovative offensive coach. Number four offense this year with Jared Goff under center. See, Fitch writes this, and I do remember this too. The Colts reportedly offered two first-round picks for Derek Carr prior to trading for Matt Ryan. Will they come knocking again? Don't even mention it. Spencer, with this, you're 100% accurate, JMV. If you're going to sell two to three more years of Ballard, you have to get Harbaugh and trade up to get number one. Hey, just give everybody that. I always state it's easier said than done, and I know it is. Hey, Jan V, what is your choice moving up to number one? I'm sure you have the thought in my, my quarterback, C.J. Stroud. I do also like Bryce Young. Don't get me wrong on that, but I, I, CJ Stroud would be my quarterback. And I don't care what quarterbacks from Ohio State historically have done. I don't give a crap. But I like him. In this draft, I like him more than I like anybody. Right, who knows, though? They may love Will Levis, they may love somebody else that's further down on the draft. But you're asking me here, Shane, and thank you very much who I like. That would be it. Matthew is at 239-1070. Hello, Matthew. Hi, JMV. How are you? Right, fantastic. Thanks for holding on. I had to had to tell James to make sure you didn't stay on hold for a couple of hours there. So thanks for calling back. 
No, that's all right. Uh, boy, isn't that uh, Derek Carr two first round picks report frightening? Can, can you imagine <laughs> if they would have did that? They offered that. Yeah, that's pretty scary. No doubt. That's terrific. Yeah. No, uh, I wanted to touch on the uh, them potentially moving up and the head coaching candidates. I'll start with the uh, with them moving up potentially. Uh, what do you think of this? Number four this year. Uh, two this year, our second round pick. Uh, next year's first, a second next year, and Buckner. Do you think the Bears accept that, and would you do it? Uh, is that uh, blowing the Bears away right there? Yes, I would do it. And I like DeForest Buckner a great deal, but it is so essential that you have your choice of whatever quarterback you like. And it may not be what I like in C.J. Stroud, but it is so important to get up. And again, I guess I'd be inclined to say this. If it's one of those two dudes – you have to do that. So, yes, if it secures your quarterback of the future, whether it is Bryce Young or whether it is C.J. Stroud, or I, then you do it, right? I don't know if I would ever believe in Will Levis at that level if you feel you'd have to get up to get that, meaning somebody else might get up there and get him before you, then so be it. But execute a deal that gives you all the options. Play from in front for once. That's all we're asking. Yeah, no, they they have to move up because if they don't, somebody else somebody will. else will, no doubt. They're gonna be they're gonna be stuck with Levis, and he puts mayonnaise in his coffee, so I don't think they want him. Uh, wait, 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 wait. Will Levis puts mayonnaise in his coffee? You you heard me correct. Yes, what's uh, what, what's the deal with that? Uh, what's the enticement? Because listen, I'm, I'm like I do dig some mayonnaise on a sandwich. And I, I, not, not a lot of people do, but I do. What's the mayonnaise in the coffee thing? That's the first time I've heard that. I cannot tell you. It sounds disgusting to me. It does sound uh, nasty. But, but uh, uh, going to the, the head coaching search now, I uh, I do think that Ursay wants Harbaugh, but I am terrified that if if they can't get him, he's just going to hire force Ballard to hire Saturday, and that that that's really frightening to me. Well, Chris Ballard's not hiring Saturday. Chris Ballard does not want, did not want, and will not want Jeff Saturday. If Jeff Saturday comes back, that is solely Jim Ursay's hire. Yeah, that's what scares me. He's going to make the final call. Uh, also, you see him a little uh, lukewarm on Ben Johnson, and I don't really understand that because, I mean, he, when you put up damn near 40 points every week with Jared Goff at quarterback, that's got to excite you. I don't know. I mean, I would take him happily. Well, I, I don't know. And listen, I'm not trying to at all diminish the accomplishment of that with either he nor Aaron Glenn. But I that's that just I I get juiced by Harbaugh, not so much about Ben Johnson, but he may end up being something great. And he has been fantastic this season with that offense. No doubt about that. But uh, it is Harbaugh for bust or bust, I should say, for me right now. Yeah, I would I would love you too. All right. That's all I got. Uh, appreciate you taking my call. And Matthew, anytime. Did I just hear this correctly? Did Jeff Beck just pass away at the age of 78? Is that new news here? I hate that. Jeff Beck, among the most innovative and certainly the most unpredictable of 60s guitar heroes, has passed away at the age of 78. Now, you talk about guitarist. He is there at the top of the list. Beck brought formidable instrumental firepower to British band The Yardbirds which he joined back in 1965 as a replacement for Eric Clapton. 
Obviously working a great deal with Rod Stewart over the years. Yeah, during the 70s, Beck assembled a second more R&B-oriented edition of his group. Ruthie formed a short-lived power trio with bassist Tim Bogert and drummer Carmine Apiece. That was Vanilla Fudge. Vanilla Fudge is the song that plays in um, uh, the uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood film. At the end, when Brad Pitt is kind of stoned and the... Uh, the Manson people break in to to do everybody in that house, and he's cranking up the radio. Vanilla Fudge is what's playing on the radio there. Keep me hanging on. Yeah, it's too bad. Jeff Beck, no doubt one of the greatest guitarists of all time, has passed away at the age of 78. 239-1070. Line 2, Daryl's on board here. Hello, Daryl. How are you? Good, brother. How you doing? Fantastic. Go ahead. I just think that Harbaugh, the only way that he'll come here is Ballard's gone. I just don't think those two could work work together. Just knowing Harbaugh's personality, I, I just I, I think Harbaugh's going to want total control, and I just don't think it's going to work with him and Ballard. Man, you think about too. You think about Chris Ballard. You know, being you know outdone. You know, in decision making by owner and head coach, I I, I know. Hey, Daryl, I know that it sounds outrageous. I just think that he, uh, uh, beyond anybody else, is perfect for what this team needs all the way around as a head coach right now. I I, I would love to see him come here, but I just don't think it's a a good mix with him and Ballard working together. Yeah, I I can certainly, I I can hear that argument because I've tried to make it make sense to me, and it it doesn't. So the other the other problem I have is is that if they're going to go down and get get the first pick or second pick to get a quarterback, they need to bring some people in here. He's got to work with because. They don't have a number one wide receiver. You yes. don't know if Taylor's going to be back. And you know, he's got to have some weapons, or that youngster is going to get hurt. Well, he's definitely got to get. You got to get another viable option, veteran-wise, at wide receiver, and this means a certain change in philosophy from the general manager, who's yeah, exactly. you know getting an extended period of time here that he doesn't deserve. Don't you think the kid from Kentucky would be a better fit here? I and I've, I've been unfair on this, but when I've watched him play, and it has been a handful of times, it has been not impressive. And again, it's in the SEC and once against Georgia, but watching him play against Georgia and understanding that he does not have anywhere near the firepower with him right. as Stroud has at Ohio State at his disposal. He didn't look good. So, yeah. I mean, maybe that's something I should factor in more, but I've mentioned regarding my assessment of him, I have been unfair because when I have watched him play and he's playing at Kentucky, he has not looked anywhere near as good as when I've seen Stroud play, and especially Stroud against Georgia. One more thing. It's good to hear you back on Saturday night. I haven't had a chance to call in yet, but it's good to have you back on on Saturday night. Thank you, man. Well, I'll be looking for you, Daryl, coming up on Saturday night because it's a hell of a lot of fun. All right, brother. You have a good evening. You too. That's a guy, Daryl, right there. Benny Greenwood says, what if Harbaugh tells Jim Irsay that the only way he comes is if Ballard goes? Well, you know how I feel about that. <laughs> Sorry. But... 
Uh, this is from David. I asked the question about mayonnaise and coffee. And he retweets somebody named Curtis Rogers back on July the 20th of 2022. I'm the furthest, furthest thing from a coffee snob, but sorry. The Seahawks absolutely cannot draft Will Levis after he admitted to putting mayonnaise in his coffee. There it is. He is stirring mayonnaise in his coffee. Do I put that in the same category as how I answer to those that believe that C.J. Stroud is either A, a product of his incredibly talented offensive environment at wide receiver, and that, historically speaking, Ohio State, they do not produce high-level NFL quarterbacks. And I say, you know what, just take that. I don't care. Do I take this out as well? Mayonnaise in your coffee in terms of Will Levis? Because it seems to me like in the SEC, in the matchup against Georgia where you watched him and he was ineffective, and some other games where you watched him and it didn't seem like that he should be anywhere in the neighborhood of a top 10 quarterback selection in the spring draft. I feel like that I'm being a little bit unfair. Eliminating him for mayonnaise in the coffee, is that unfair as well? Yeah, I don't get it. That's gross. Right, 239-1070. Todd is next. Todd, welcome to the show. Hey, John. Hello, Todd. Good to see you the other day. Maybe we'll see you tomorrow, right? Uh, different part of town. I mean, I, I live I live out that direction, but I got uh, I got some other... Uh, Pearl Street. Yep. That is up in the Geist area. I had no idea until last week there was a Pearl Street location with great pizza, incredible breadsticks and more in the Geist area. But we're going to be there tomorrow. I don't know whether you ever uh, made official declaration on this, but uh, congratulations. The, uh, the JMV Fantasy Football League... The uh, Commit Blue Light Specials ended up winning the first place in the league and, and all the uh, all the glory that goes with that. I believe the uh, producer, formerly known as Kyle, yes. uh, took the uh, bridesmaid, and I, I ended up with the uh, bronze medal in uh, third place. So nice, I, Nicely I, done. It is winner take all. So the winner of that, and I, I think I've heard from our Pick'em League, so a bar restock from Heaven Hill Distillery is on the way for our winners. That's what we play for every year. I'm going to make Halberson give me a pint of Elijah Craig or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think he'd have much of an issue with that. I think he'd be down with it. Consolation prize. Hey, I don't know the answer to this, and maybe you can ex- explain or, or do know the answer. So, Frank Wright gets fired um, midseason. Um Jimmy Ursay, there's a buyout contract. By the way, I need one of those jobs where I get fired. I continue to make millions for uh, several years going forward. But, Pretty sweet. Uh, yeah, sweet deal it is. Forward. Yeah. But let's say hypothetically he signs with the Carolina Panthers. Does, is, is Ursay still on the hook? For that money, is he getting paid by Tepper and Ursay? Because that's the best. Um, I better. believe I believe it fades if you get hired okay. someplace else. So yes. Okay. Uh, put you on the spot. Quick question: uh, Best yeah. Tim Robbins film, uh, Shawshank or uh, Major League? Oh, Shawshank. And I love, I, well, not Major League, but Bull Durham is what you're talking about. And I love yeah, Bull, yeah, Durham. Yeah, Bull Durham. Bull Durham. I love Bull Durham, but Shawshank. Shawshank is right up there in the rarefied air of those that I love. So again, it's it's not going to be commonplace to find anything that I believe with anybody in there that's better than the 1994 classic Shawshank Redemption. So, by the way, I believe Shawshank, 
Pulp Fiction, and then something else all came out back in October of 94 on the same day. And we're in theaters at the same time? Yeah. Of course, you weren't there. No, I was. I was still going in 94. I saw I saw Pulp Fiction in the theater, and it, okay. I, I was uh, overwhelmed by the theater dialogue. I had to watch that 900 different times. That's why I watch Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, because I've got to watch it so many times to make sure that I get everything that's going on, because there's so much yapping. Yep. Hey, right. uh, catch up with you soon, buddy. Uh, have a good afternoon, okay? Todd, thank you very much. Willie is next on line four at 239-1070. Willie, welcome to the show. John, how you doing, buddy? Willie, I could not be better. Thank you for asking. Go ahead. Good. Hey, um, so several callers, and I've seen online, uh, where a lot of people are concerned about some conflict that might happen between Jim Harbaugh and Chris Ballard. Yeah. And that it might actually inhibit Harbaugh from uh, coaching the Colts. And I think it's quite possibly the opposite. So, you know, Jim Harbaugh teams, whether, you know, he was in San Francisco or Michigan, they're a power-running team. They don't really have newfangled offensive schemes like the Chiefs or anything. They just want to ground a pound. They want to run the ball hard, uh, straight at you. They want to get the play action going. And what is it that Chris Ballard really values? Strength in the trenches. Now, this year, you know, he had a hiccup and made some bad personnel moves, but historically – he puts a lot of uh, stock in the offensive and defensive line. So I think from a personnel standpoint, they can get along just fine. Um, and to go one step further, uh, his coaching style, you got to crawl through the blank to yes. get where you want to go. Right. Well, where does all the blank happen? Right there in the trenches. Yeah. Well, so, there's, there's plenty of it to spread around here, too, right now. So. <laughs> you ain't lying. And that was a great analogy by you, sir. <laughs> Thanks. There's plenty of it. Well, I'll give credit where credit is due. That's Drew Storen, former major leaguer, who went to Stanford and is much smarter than us all. So credit where credit is due. Right on. You got it, so Willie. Thank you for the call. Ball. You do it anytime. Yeah, again, the reason why we brought up Harbaugh is, A, that's who I want to be the next head coach. And, B, because... Landon Oliver, who does a podcast and follows the Colts, had tweeted out a bit of an article from ESPN from Jeremy Fowler. And it had an interesting bullet point for those of us that are on the Harbaugh bandwagon. As follows, one official from a team searching for a head coach believes Harbaugh wants the Colts job. No word yet on whether Harbaugh plans to speak with Indy Brass, but the connection is obvious from the former Colts quarterback. So again, one official from a team searching for a head coach believes Harbaugh wants the Colts job. And that was a bit from Jeremy Fowler of ESPN, and I do believe that is the first time we've heard anything in relation to the Colts and Harbaugh. And believe me, I'm not sitting here wanting this to be a pipe dream. I think this is the perfect fit, and it is a must fit. And you may end up, Ben Johnson may end up being great. Aaron Glenn may end up being great. Second time around as a head coach. Raheem Morris may be great, but that's who I want for this team. Right here. That is it. And who knows what's going to happen in L.A. too with Sean McVay. 
Some other stuff will probably happen we're not even thinking about right now. Bob Borden writes this. So I forgot to tweet this out on Saturday night. Here's a really feel good for the host of the show. I was trying to listen to the JMV takeover and my wife changes the station and changes the station to 97.1 Hank FM. I told my wife, you just changed from the JMV takeover. He plays good 80s music. My wife's response, who's Jay who? Oh, my God, make, make a guy feel really special on a Wednesday. Thank you very much, Bob. Uh, Tom is next at 239-1070. Hello, Tom. Hey, how you doing? Great. So, Go ahead. Uh, I was going to call you after the Steelers game. I called you a few times before, but yep. I just I couldn't I couldn't do it because there just wasn't anything that made me feel good about uh, talking about the Steelers. But here's my question to you. Yeah. So last year, everybody said picking Kenny Pickett was a reach. Yes. So all I'm all I'm going to ask you is this question. I'm going to play devil's advocate for Stroud and Young. Is it that potentially you're thinking of these folks, it's the end of the night, and there's only a couple of people to dance with? Is it, is it maybe we're getting bar goggles? And, and it may be that they're the best players out there. And, and you no, know, yeah, that, 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 that's it. I mean, maybe a beer goggles, or you know, normally I would call that 115. <laughs> when it got when it got 115 it was scramble mode brother it was but no I, I get what you're talking about uh but i think most people felt like a year ago wasn't kenny pickett the best quarterback at well, least in yeah, terms of what they, the steelers could get right and they they and and I, I think the other thing is that listening to all of the and i listen to you and and whoever that lady is that doesn't know who you are man she needs to <laughs> that dude needs to get a, a different uh, different spouse sure. that's crazy because man yeah i will tell you i've said this before but you are uh you are a godsend to this, this oh man that's very nice of you to say i appreciate that thank you and i mean that you you are a person who uh it just you feel good listening to you unlike a lot of other things where everybody's negative all the time and yesterday you were kind of saying the same thing and and i'm with you on the pacers man those guys go get them yeah and no you know? doubt and no doubt and you know, we'll see what happens in new york tonight but it has been fun to watch and i would say this like i was talking about yesterday it is incredibly necessary for a fan base around here that has just been beaten down from losing and negativity so ride this thing until it bucks you is what i say I agree completely. I just want to say how much I appreciate you. And uh, so here's the other question I got yep. for you. Um, in retrospect, if you had the choice, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you three, I'm going to give you the field, Kenny Pickett, or Jordan Love. I've never heard of anybody talk about Jordan Love. I don't know if he's even a possibility, but he's sitting around not doing anything. Okay, the field, Kenny Pickett, or Jordan Love in terms of? Uh, if you had a chance to draft, and obviously you're high on Stroud, so maybe you'd right. I would I would take the field over Kenny Pickett and Jordan Love at this point. Plus, Jordan Love is going to be different. He's like three or four years deep, so you're going to spend a lot of money on him if you know if they do decide to trade for him because he's going to be due a, a new deal moving forward. So I would take Jordan Love out of the equation entirely. And and to me, at the top of this field, I would like the top of this field more than I, I would like Kenny Pickett. That's cool. I understand. 
Yeah. And I may be wrong, too, but that's um, – and, and by the way, Kenny Pickett, it was at the top of the list – of quarterbacks a year ago, so I, this is this is different. It's not the most robust quarterback class we've ever seen, and a lot of people certainly like what's coming out, you know, next year certainly. But at the same time, to me, those two guys are at the very top of the list. We'll see how that shakes out after the combine and you know those those private workouts and pro days and stuff. But that's how it stands now. All right. Well, I appreciate the time, brother. Take care, Tom. You call anytime. Quick break, and we shall come back. 239-1070 is the number. Me and you, rest of the way. 93-5107. the fan. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20-milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. The Ride with JMV. And the beat goes on, yeah. And the beat goes on. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Pacers next tonight, 7 o'clock pregame, 7.30. That tip for Madison Square Garden. Vic Barks inside the lounge via YouTube Live says, what's really scary is how the Colts continue to regress. That's what the scary discussion should be. And I'm interested in your take. This has to be rock bottom, right? Is there anything more rock bottom than what this season has been? So when I first read that, Vic, that's the first thing I thought of is this has to be it. You can't be any worse, can you? Then a four-win season and just the mounting embarrassment at the tail end of this season? I mean, a year ago against Jacksonville, there is no doubt that that was an embarrassing loss. You were planning to go to the postseason, and you were two weeks prior, probably the most excited you had been about this team in a long time, certainly during that season. But this season... This season felt like swimming through a half a mile of blank-smelling foulness. I just can't imagine. Sounds like Shawshank. So this has to be rock bottom. Dakota's at 239-1070. Dakota, welcome to the show. Hi, what's going on? I was thinking of Dakota Fanning, but you don't sound like her. No, no, a little bit opposite. <laughs> Go ahead. More like the state. <laughs> South Dakota, you definitely sound like. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I was just calling in uh, to see if what your honest opinions are, that if the Colts do not trade up from the fourth seed, are we going to get C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young? I would d- I doubt either. I would sitting here right now and again. I will tell you this: things could change. They they may change. You know, viewpoints may change. Maybe somebody falls in love with somebody else, and it is dependent upon some of these teams that would also like to move up to grab a quarterback. Just how in love they may be with somebody. But no, I can't tell you. Sitting here right now, at number four for the Colts, they don't get either one. 
Yeah, that's that's where I'm at. And so because somebody's going to move up, somebody's going to move up. Chicago's going to trade that, and then somebody that wants a quarterback is going to move up, and then you're going to have that team select a quarterback more than likely either Young or Stroud or Houston gets Young or Stroud, and that'll be that. That's that's where I'm yes. at with it now. Do you take a, a different quarterback or do you move on if you don't get one of those? Well, teams? this has been my thing. It, I don't care who it is right now, but if you hard target your quarterback and it takes you getting up to number one to make sure you have the best option of securing that person, then do it. It'd be great if you can just sit there at four. This thing that you really like—if that quarterback slides to you—that's great. But yeah, that sounds like a great deal of good fortune that this team has not had very much of over the years. So I would not—I wouldn't count on that. I would count on having to motivate and get your ass up there and make sure you have all of your options available to get what you want. Yeah, yeah, I'm right there uh, with you. I guess on the plus side, though, for Indiana sports, for me, at least the Pacers are looking good. Yes, you get them against the Knicks later on tonight. Hopefully they continue to look good at 7.30, that tip time from Madison Square Garden. Dakota, thanks for the call. Yeah, you have a good one. You got it. Not Dakota Fanning, who also, by the way, was in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. (laughs) Squeaky? Did you guys know that Bruce Dern... Uh, Bruce Dern is in that film, right? And he's actually been on the show before. I want to say, not this one, it may have been the other one. It's whenever he did the film Nebraska, I think he won an Oscar for it. And oddly enough, I got Bruce Dern on and I talked to him for a good 45 minutes. I can't remember if it was here or if it was someplace else. But in the film I'm talking about right now, he plays George Spawn of of Spawn Ranch fame. Uh, But Bruce Dern was on this show. We talked at length about the film Black Sunday. If you remember, it was a thriller based upon the Super Bowl and somebody, a terrorist, trying to shoot darts from the Goodyear blimp during a Super Bowl. Seriously, this is straight out of the 70s. And when we talked about that, he said, you know what? I don't even like to bring that up anymore because I don't like to talk about blueprints for such tragedy, is what he said. But he was incredible. We talked about his film Tattoo and a bunch of other stuff. It was awesome. Bruce Dern. Uh, Dave's up next at 239-1070. Hello, Dave. Hey, how you doing, John? Great. Go ahead. Hey, um, I just wanted to bring something to your attention. I know it's kind of out in left field, but... um, I, I was kind of curious about a college coach. Um, if we want to pursue a college coach, I'm going to go after one that actually is really good at uh, picking good talent and developing that talent. Kirby Smart. Yeah, I just what, it, what it, it doesn't that? seem like that that dude is going to go anywhere, and I wouldn't blame him. Like, like, and you know what? I sound hypocritical, and here's why. Because there's no doubt he is a good coach. I just don't think that he is. He's good. Like Lincoln Riley seems like a possibility at some point moving up, 
But Kirby Smart, to me, at Georgia just does it. Now, I will tell you, part of my argument for Jim Harbaugh not wanting to still be in Michigan, his alma mater, and the success he's had recently, is because all of these things you have to deal with as far as football is concerned, whether it's NIL or the transfer portal, and maybe he wouldn't want to jack with that anymore, and certainly he'd want to go back to the NFL. It just seems like that Kirby Smart is in the absolute perfect place right now. And you talk about what that team is going to be going for for a chance to go back-to-back-to-back next year, that's pretty special. So those are a couple of reasons why I wouldn't consider that reality. Yeah, I I agree with that analysis. I just was kind of wondering if the Colts pursued him. You know, maybe yeah, I just, I, I, I think to me, he is going to be where he is, he is going to be, and that's in Athens. Okay, buddy. Well, thank you, Dave. You call anytime. Thank you. But again, I do recognize that it's hypocritical of me saying, well, you know, Harbaugh would leave because of the way the college athletics are going right now, and then not say the same because you can factor in maybe not even so much having to deal with NIL because all the money in Georgia, but certainly it's prominent, it's prevalent. And it will come with that high level of success. But they have to deal with the transfer portal. And then think about what they lost a year ago from defense alone. And rebooted that thing right back up. Hey, JMV, I'm bummed about the news of Jeff Beck. Jeff Beck, by the way, the great guitarist. Passed away earlier today at the age of 78. I've listened to him for over 50 years, and he's on my Mount Rushmore of guitar players. He was one of the most innovative guitarists and just finished a tour with Johnny Depp. What is that? Was he, uh, is that uh, Vampire? What is that? Hollywood Undead. Is that who Johnny Depp's group is? Anyway. That's true? Hollywood Undead? That's Hollywood Vampires. Hollywood Vampires. There is a Hollywood Undead. I was close. Yeah, they're like a rock rack. A rap rock group. I got, yeah, I I got my speak. head got locked up between Vampire Weekend, the Hollywood Undead, and Hollywood Vampires. So, yeah. Now, my little brain just cannot handle all that. He also launched the career for many female musicians who have played with him in the last 15 years. My wife and I saw him three times this past summer and fall, and now we're glad we did. Deeply bummed. That's Mike and Beach Grove on the passing of guitarist Jeff Beck today at the age of 78. Justin's next, 239-1070. Hello, Justin. Hey, Jamie. How are you? I am great. Go ahead. Hey, before I get to my two points that I want to get to, I just want to caveat off a couple callers ago how, how great the show is. Oh, man, uh, thank you very much. It, that is very it, kind, it, Justin. Thank you. It, it, it definitely makes having to drive on 465 every day at 5 p.m. I don't know how you do it, brother. More bearable. I don't know how you do it, especially on the and, northeast or east side, but go ahead. And and it's night and day compared to um, some other guys that have been on this station. And I won't say any names, but it does rhyme with Stan Jokic. I will say that. <laughs> uh, cool. Go ahead. Point. Um, why don't the Colts or even other teams even consider, um, and I know given the ACL injury, Hennon Hooker from Tennessee? I, I would say that at the top, and he's also like 24 years old, right? He a little bit older, right. yeah. So yeah. I, I, I but, but you got the you got the Packers who are going to right, assuming are going to rely on Jordan Love, who's right. Who's I, I just I, I listen. That's maybe somebody that they like. I'm not sure, and I know that they've seen. I'm sure they've seen a number of these guys, but I know that they've seen Levis. A bunch of times, scouted him up as well. So I, I may be. This is just me 
with Stroud and how much I like Stroud and you know two reasons why I think maybe maybe Hooker wouldn't be you know I don't even know where he's going to end up going is he going to be a first round pick or is he going to fall second third where's where's Hooker going to go in the draft I don't I'd be surprised if he falls out of the first I, I don't think I don't think a lot of teams are going to look too much into the ACL, especially given that here shortly the NFL is going to go to no more turf, which which has been suspected to call cause a lot of these ACL injuries. Yeah, I, I'm just pretty hardcore right now. And again, I I'm subject to change because we really haven't seen anything other than the season and the season end. But we'll see how it goes here in town in February with the combine and other aspects of it to see if these things maybe shuffle the deck of these guys, but I, I loved what I saw from Stroud and especially what I saw from Stroud against Georgia. So I'm, I love I'm it. on boat. I'm on boat with you. I just, I, that's been on the back of my mind is yep. hookers kind of falling off the back burner, but yeah, hey, real quick, it, my second point, yep. want to kind of get away from Colts. That's all we've been talking about. Colts, Colts, Colts. How excited are you? I know you're a Reds fan, but to see Tuck behind the plate for the Cubs. Oh, I'm Yeah. I love the Cubs. You know that, right? Big time Cubs fam. I'm excited. Um, I just told him that I cannot play. I, I hate, absolutely hate the song Go Cubs Go. So I can't play that when he comes on the show. I just can't do that. I, I loathe. Like, that's right up there with Paradise by the Dashboard Light as sucky songs of all time. I hate it. <laughs> hey, John, I appreciate you. Keep it up. Justin, I look forward to it every day. It's very kind of you, brother. Thank you, Justin. Paradise by the Dashboard Light. Maybe the worst song of all time because it sucks. It's a rock opera and it's about nine years long. And the only thing that may be worse is Go Cubs Go. Quick break. We'll come back, see if we can squeeze in more calls on the tail end of the show. 93.5107.5 The Fan.